Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Glad you came back to kick it with us again. If you are a returning listener, we want to thank you. We appreciate how much time you've spent with us. And please keep hitting us up, letting us know what kind of topics you want, what you want us to talk about, what you want to hear from us. If you are new to Wild Black, then I want to take just a quick second and let you know what we're all about. Wild Black is bringing you information, awareness, Stories, news, success strategies for anything that we as people of color, black Americans deal with on a daily basis. If it happens to us, then we want to talk about it. Just like our intro says, if black culture is there, then we're there. Catch us on Twitter. That's at Wild Black PC. Facebook is at Wild Black Podcast. IG is Wild underscore Black. And email is just wildblackpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up. Talk to us. We'll talk back. This podcast and all its amazingly awesomeness was recorded at DRS Studios. You can find them at drsatl.com. And we're located in Roswell, Georgia. So jumping in today's episode, we've got a, another guest. We'll intro her in just a moment. But uh, today's episode... Uh, it's going to be a little bit a different one. Like it's this is I don't want to say more real because we've talked about some really real topics. But this one relates to all of us in a way that we don't always even think about. Um, but, you know, what? We'll, we'll get into that in a second. All right, brother, what's what's good with you, man? How you feeling this week? It's a good week. It's a busy week. Excited about our guests. Excited about our content today. How you feeling yeah. about the topics we've covered so far, man? We got a nice paintbrush of different things that happen in black communities. So communities of color. I think every episode, we were on episode 10. So I think right. this one would be 10. That's um, crazy to think we're already at 10. Already at 10. Uh, numbers looking great. Uh, listeners uh, uh, accelerating listener base, which is which is another great thing. I think um, we got a lot of great content for anyone who, if this is your first time listening, uh, I would strongly encourage you to check out each of the other topics because they're uniquely different, but they um, can touch you in different ways and they can inform you in different ways. So, uh, so yeah, I think I think our movement is is the right movement. I think we're moving in the right direction. I think 
Um, we got the right amount of education. We got the right amount of fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a good, we got a good vibe Definitely going. Definitely agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm with <laughs> you, man. I, I love the diversity we, we've kind of brought to the table. We've talked about police brutality. We've talked to law enforcement. We talked about sex. We talked about code switching. We had some fun with black TV. We've talked about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that's, 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 that's awesome, man. But today, we're going to talk about Real estate and wealth building. Yes. And the reason I'm so excited about this is because the only reason this show exists is because we are two brothers that are passionate about the state of black America. And when you think about all the factors that play into where we are as a community of black Americans today, there's obviously bias that plays in. You've got police that play in. But when it comes to what's really holding us back, wealth real estate, this gap that we have between us and other races is significant. And today we're going to talk a little bit about what's happened that put us in that position. And hopefully we get to some strategies to hopefully overcome some of that. So I don't want to belabor the point anymore. <laughs> Let's go ahead and, and talk to our guest. We are, we're going to sit here with Andrea Morgan today, and she's coming with a wealth of information that's going to help us to be better understanding real estate, get closer to these wealth goals that we have, and hopefully overcome some of this wealth gap that we'll talk a little bit about. You want to run through Andrea's background a little bit, bro? Let's do it. So so Andrea's lived in Atlanta for over 30 years uh, and is an extremely successful realtor. Uh, she's a graduate of Georgia State University and the co-founder of the Live Exclusively app. Uh, Andrew's dedicated to understanding the history of black Americans as it relates to real estate and wealth building. In her own words, she is a realtor who wants to service her community and share the opportunity of real estate with the goal of wealth creation and infrastructure building. I love that. And as a community, uh, we need to fully utilize the tools and talents at hand to get what we need to get to where we need to go. Fantastic. Absolutely. Andrea, where is it that you think we need to go? I think that we need to go to a place where we are a lot more self-sufficient and self-sustaining than we have been to date. Right. Um, you know, we give ourselves we give ourselves a lot of leeway sometimes. Right. right. And we, I think we need to incorporate a little discipline. Right. Uh, and because we have tools. You right. Know? We don't have the same set of restrictions that we had. 40 years ago or 100 years ago that doesn't mean that there are not still restrictions there are right but they are they are fewer than they were before so we just need to work with what we have i mean you know we're a very creative people we've been overcoming so there's no reason for us to stop overcoming true story um we can so we should so before we get too much into the meat we want to have uh -huh. a little fun sure we're gonna get a little loose so we, we're going to get into our wild black shit. Okay. Right? <laughs> and, and and really, that's that's the fun way for us to just say we're going we're gonna to warm up. We got some got fun questions for you. And then, you know, one question that's it's like our bread and butter question. There you go. <laughs> so, so you got to get ready for this one. This is this. I'm sitting this up is, straight. This is, this is a great sleep, question right here. This is, this is it right here. Right. It's Sunday, too. <laughs> so you got to pick one. Okay. Ham hocks. Or smoked turkey in your greens? Ham hocks. Ham yeah. hocks. I was born in Virginia. Mm -hmm. I'm Southern for sure. 
Mm-hmm. I, I I was waiting for you to tell me smoked turkey. I was waiting. I was for you thinking to, you was gonna. I was really? waiting for you to yep, hit me I with you was gonna the really? health benefits. Mm-hmm. Oh no! A turkey versus that ham. Now I can't front. I I actually did some greens four or five days ago, and I used smoked turkey. I I felt like I, I felt like I cheated myself a little bit. I kind of felt bad about it. How were they? I was bomb. Yeah, it was good though. I've Vegan and vegetarian collard greens, Wait a minute. Nope. and they just—it's not the vegan. same. It's not the same, but you know they are—they are passable. But no, ham hocks. I don't know. I don't. So, I've had both. Right. I've had both, but by far that pork is. Yeah, is it's just a whole different flavor profile. Yeah. Like, the flavor like, is, it, is. I don't eat pork. Unless it's like oh, okay. bacon or pork chop or sausage or rib or maybe even pig feet sometimes. Really? Ham. Wait, 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 wait. How did we get he to said, I don't, I don't eat, eat pork, pork unless it's bacon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll eat a pig feet. I was like, what? <laughs> bacon? Oh, it's turkey bacon. <laughs> I don't yeah. touch pork no, outside No, turkey of that bacon. Right, right, right. Turkey bacon is an awful invention. That's horrible. It is. Yeah, turkey. that's horrible. Turkey it's just salty things. cardboard. That's terrible. <laughs> and it's chewy. It's, it's, it's You rubbery, can't get it like, crispy? Yeah. Uh-uh, it's either flimsy, or, or not flimsy, but it's rubbery. Yeah. Or it's completely burnt. Burnt, yeah. Yeah. There's no in between with turkey bacon. All right, one more, one more. Sure. Um, pick one. Okay. The Five Heartbeats, The Jacksons, An American Dream, or The Temptations movie. First off, I'm is, add is one it called more. the Temptations movie? Because I, I couldn't remember. Well, everybody know what we're talking yeah, about. We, yep, they, yep, they got it. I'm going to add the Bobby Brown special to this. On okay. Right uh, now, see, I didn't see Bobby Brown um, you this check weekend. That out. I will. Thank it's you. It's interesting. But definitely ain't nobody coming to see you, Otis. It's far okay. too many, far too many just gems in the Temptations movie. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, bro? So my wife had me watching this Bobby Brown special, right? And I'm, I was never like a huge Bobby Brown fan, um, but the Bobby Brown, Bobby Brown, he got, a, he had a lot going on, man. He did. Like, man. It was, ooh. I saw a lot of commentary on Twitter. I just oh didn't man, it was, it. it was. You got to see it. I don't, I don't even want to spoil it for everybody, but it was like his life was full of turmoil, like, <laughs> like from beginning to end. Like everything is, is like dramatic. Wow. In, in drama field. Uh, so I'm gonna go for that right now, man. For me, it's the foul heartbeats, I, bro. I don't know how many times I have watched that movie. I mean, straight like up, I, I have probably watched. I mean, I'm I'm into the hundreds. Wow. At one point, oh, you still watching it? Yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I turned it on at the house probably a couple of weeks ago. My kids was like, oh, <laughs> not again. Not- <laughs> I know every song. Damn near every line. I got the dance moves. And you do them. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You in there. That, you in there. Man, that That's a classic, too. That is it literally, is. That's, that is my favorite movie of all movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? All of movies. all movies. Wow. Well, if you're in the hundreds, yeah, it got to it gotta yeah. be up there. Like, way back in college, I can remember being at my apartment, and I had the VHS tape. Oh, okay. I didn't have cable. I still don't have cable, mm-hmm. but I had the VHS tape, and I watched. It was the only thing I had every day. That was my shit, man. <laughs> so you would have it on. You ain't gonna get it because you ain't got it <laughs> every day. 
This is the background. That was okay. Shit. Got you. Got you. That ain't a bad movie though. No, it's the it was best. Actually, it was actually pretty good. It's the best. You can say it. All those <laughs> options. All those options were good. Were good. Uh, yeah. African American classics is what I would, I would sure. say. I, now I'm not gonna say the Bobby Brown story is a, is a classic, <laughs> but it is it's something we needed. We should check out. Got it. I, I enjoyed it. It ain't the five heartbeats though. No, it ain't. No, Big ain't. Red. <laughs> oh yeah, you you you. Yeah. My <laughs> office hour was off. <laughs> you probably know the whole script too. Yeah, Do you got I? it. You got it. Yeah, yep. You got it. You got it. Baby doll. Yeah, you 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 <laughs> yep. So to all the listeners, he 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 went when down in the lane. Swooped on in and end. swooped out. He's in ready. Now. All right, so so let me hit us with the last, but I, I've kind of flagged nice like this. See, sorry. <laughs> see, I, I, I knew, sorry. I knew, I knew we got him started. Yep. <laughs> so our flagship question: um, What do you love most about life while being black? I love being a black woman. I cannot imagine a greater existence. In some days, it is a trial, but 99% of the time, there's nothing in the world that I would rather be. There's nobody else in the world that I would rather be from than black women, black American women. Like, if I ever got truly crazy and decided I was going to go get a PhD, it would be about the history of black women in America. Because we are such an important part of everything that's ever happened. And we don't necessarily get credit for that. Oh, that's true. Completely agree with you on that. My wife and I were talking just today. And we were looking at um, Ballers, the HBO joint. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what had happened. Oh, okay, okay. I don't remember. The, I don't know the names. Like, we just started it, right? But... The big dude, hell, I'm not gonna make you know him. He was the one. He's married. He, him, and his wife got into an argument. Have you all seen Ballers? Oh yeah, I watched. Okay, it the pretty. big dude, his I've wife. Seen it once or twice. He and his wife got into an argument. He left. Ended up going to his boy's fun house. Yeah, yeah. He was in yep. there smoking weed, and his wife tore down the driveway. And my man was trying to run away, like he was going over the balcony, over the <laughs> banister. Mm-hmm. And yep. she's like, "If you don't get your high ass down." <laughs> and we paused it because my wife was like, what would make him do that? And I, I was telling her, I was like, I don't think you and honestly, I don't think a lot of black women truly understand like the power that they wield when it comes to a black man. I've heard that before. I was explaining to her like and we, we don't, don't even have to take this to a sexual place. But yeah. I was just explaining to her that as a black man who loves a black woman, there's absolutely nothing in the <laughs> world that can build you up or tear you down. Like that Quite black like a woman. Black woman. That's that, true. It, that that is what makes you feel the most like a man, or the most like a failure. The words that come out of her mouth have so much sway and impact on the black man, and most black women don't recognize that. I told her that all she said was "thank you," which scared me a little bit because <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what's coming next, <laughs> right? Or what that means, right? right? Yep. When yep. I get back to the crib, I don't know what's going to happen, but she said thank you. So, like, did I? Did I tell her about her superpower and now she's about to wield it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Now nah, she knew. Uh, who knows? <laughs> she knew. Black women harness it. So they, they, they know. They we know. have to. Because yeah, when they, we don't, you, think you see what happened yesterday. Knew? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. know. They know. They, they are pretty in tune with, with that power that they, yeah. <laughs> they possess. Now, 
letting everybody else know. No, you can't. It's do that. one thing that they, that I think, black women generally reserve. Yeah, she played me. <laughs> <laughs> she played me. Uh, yes, we're gonna yes, talk yes. about that when I get back to the house. Today. <laughs> right. This is a different. And I'm gonna lose again. Well, mm-hmm. you can't win. Long on as that. you know, long as you, you know, be aware. You, you just doing it just so you can bring it up. She Not probably, even. She probably word. had smoked turkey wings on the, at the house. By me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. And the fire beast playing. <laughs> Be prepared. Well, you know, you know what? Let's transition into yeah. our civil right and civil wrong section. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, this has been like if if we think about uh, this week or these well these last couple weeks, but if you think about this week. And what's been happening with Colin Kaepernick Man. and Nike. I got my Nikes on today. I got my new shoes I bought I as see, a result yes, of I, Mr. Kaepernick. Yes, yes. I wore a Nike t-shirt to, yes. to work on Friday. Mm, mm. I got to get me a, a, a Nike. I'm going to get me a Nike jumpsuit. That's I what you need. I want to get me a Nike jumpsuit and just rock Man, you that. Should get, you should get a Nike tattoo like on the back of your head. <laughs> Just right there. Maybe like, removable. Maybe removable like you can. Do the Mike Tyson. Get right. that joint right. 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 right there on the cheek. Wow. Right. Why do people swoosh. tattoo on their face? That just uh, disturbs me. But anyway. You it is something about I that. Understand. Yes. But uh, the civil right for this week is, is Nike. That, that campaign mm-hmm. that dropped, uh, the country recognized that campaign. Mm-hmm. People had pretty significant reactions to that campaign. Absolutely. Um, both for and against. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Yeah, we had both. We saw both sides. We saw somebody burn down a, the house. Bless trying his heart. To, <laughs> right, right. Because he was upset with Nike and tried to set his shoes on fire, but he where, was in his house. Live? And his <laughs> house burned down. Did he really doing? burn down his house? Yeah, it was a cat burned down his house. I, like, I saw it one. Was, I thought it was you a see the guy who, uh, burned, who I saw the one burned his feet. Come on. I'm going to need you to stop. Right. I'm going to need you to think <laughs> but, about but this You a don't have bit. any friends, any family say, hey, listen. Don't put take, take them off. Take them off. Take them off your feet. So yeah. this, this is what gets me about that. <laughs> All these folks are pissed off because Kaepernick had a silent protest mm-hmm. that he did. So in return, they have silent protest. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. It's like you you upset that he had the silent protest that you didn't approve of. So. In response to that, so you, you silently protest. It's just, it's emotional. It's not logical at all. There's it's no, crazy as fuck. there's it's no crazy. logical uh, reason for any of that. And it, I mean, it's just, it really kind of goes to show that people are so much more focused on, you need to stay in this box where I put you. And you have to do these things that I'm expecting you to do. And if you don't, it just like throws the whole everything off. And I can't function. I'm going to burn up my feet. And now Ford, you know, has said that they support Kaepernick. So are we going to burn F-150s? Mm-hmm. Be flipping them over. <laughs> yep. So don't do that. Just donate them to, to me. Right. Oh, I'll take all your Nikes and your yeah. F-150s. You saw the, the thing with the College of the Ozarks who um, decided mm-hmm. they yeah. were no longer wearing or supporting Nike. That's a Christian organization. That's what that really shocked me. Well, and then I said the College of the Ozarks. Who, who, who are y'all anyway? Right. Who, who knows? Who heard like, like, nice did, is that a campaign publicity stunt to try to get on the map? That's what I heard. It's somebody like four say. teachers and sixty-two yeah. students. Wow. I mean, I don't really know, but that's what it sounds like. <laughs> right. We got high schools bigger than that. Right. So yeah, y'all should rethink y'all racist rhetoric too. But what um, does Jesus have to do with that? Like, I'm not at all the Christian person to answer these kind of questions, but. Jesus that I learned about, 
I, I don't see Jesus saying, you know what, you're right. Exactly. <laughs> you're right. 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 This is a good yeah. idea for you to right. just say, hey, don't, don't, don't do anything else with Nike. But while Black applauds Nike for that move and big ups to to Kaepernick for, for continuing that movement and, and moving in the right direction for unity and freedom and and in silent protest. That's that's what we all should be doing. And it's great to see a corporation actually um, not just say, hey, we're going to support you by doing something. They they made a big statement, and they yeah. continue to make big statements. Right Thursday night football. I, I'm, I'm not personally watching football Fuck this football. season, correct? Um, Viewership but, has been down. This is the second year in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I did notice that they wanted to make a statement and have a commercial mm-hmm. air. On Thursday Night Football to mm-hmm. kick it off, so I'm I'm proud of Nike too. I, now I I will admit, like Nike's a business; they're making money off this, absolutely, no doubt. absolutely. And but they're doing it a smart way, right? They're standing with an issue, and the biggest thing is I think they're investing in their customer for tomorrow. Like they, absolutely, they know they, they, they know the buying dynamics are changing. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're investing, and who who buys Nikes? Who do who do most of their endorsement deals actually? Oh, us. absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. this is absolutely in their best interest. Now they could have now now this is this is why I think it's unique. They could have just said, "Hey, we just going we're gonna stay out of the Colin Kaepernick thing, and we're just gonna you know kind of move silently with everybody mm-hmm. else." Right, but uh, they didn't. Mm-mm. They intentionally said, "Hey, we're gonna make some waves right now." Yeah, and that's, they that's did. a vision. There. There's a little vision, and keep it and keep the waves going. Along with the people oh, yeah. who don't agree with us. Because they did a, I don't know, I guess it was a social media post, how to burn our product safely. I thought that was hilarious. I saw that too. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was really, but I saw it. I don't know it. if it's I real. It was great. But I felt like this is a good deal from Nike because that was smart. And mm-hmm. Burn them safely. <laughs> talking about Nike and wealth building, but Nike stock last week was under $80 a share. What is it now? Um, I think it was like 82 but more people will be buying Nike going forward. So Absolutely. I got shoes and I got stock. Absolutely. I, I actually upped my um, stock purchase of Nike with that move, too. This has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but um, talking about stock. I've made so much money lately off cannabis stock. Yeah. Ooh. Which 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 which, which yeah. one you, you go with? Kronos and Tilray. Tilray. See, I don't have either one. Tilray. Tilray. Tilray, I bought it at 24, and last week it was up to like 96. It's fallen a little bit. Yes, yeah, Tilray did something real. I mean, I don't know what is. So we talking about wealth building. So this this is I this think is a, a good, good, good topic. Um, yeah, Tilray did blow up. Yeah, they got an order to um, work with. I think it was a Nova Scotian company to do weed infused beer. Mm-hmm. I heard about I read that. about that. Yeah. yeah. So in Canada. Uh, yeah, I have and it's Canadian about to be stock. completely legal in, in Canada, Canada yeah. in October. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we got uh, Canopy is is a position I've been in for the CSG. Is that the ticket for CSG or something uh, like that? I can't remember. We'll, we'll get to it later, name, but because yeah. well, they're around like the fifty dollar range too. They've 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 shot up too. Mm-hmm. All of them have, man. Yep. All the all the major ones. Good tips, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right, we'll, we'll get back. I'm making some to what notes on be. this one. Right, right, right. <laughs> All so right. we had the we talked to Silver Wright. I want to jump into our our literary piece today. Now this one's a little bit different, um, so we're not going to spend a lot of time. I'm actually just going to read something that I think really kicks off the conversation we're about to have on wealth building and real estate. So <clears throat> bear with me. Um, this came out of an article that was just published in April. I'm going to read verbatim just a couple of the sentences. 
These figures come from a new study published this past April by William Darity of Duke University and Derek Hamilton from the New School. Um, it uses vast amount of wealth data to dismantle some long-term held benefits and the best way to address inequality. Um, some of the conventional ideas of promoting greater educational attainment, hard work, better financial decisions, and other changes are disproven to alter the wealth gap in this country. I'm going to jump back into it in a second, but the premise of this article is that they feel like there's almost nothing that we can do as a community of people to change what has already happened, right? The wealth gap has gotten so large between blacks and whites in this country that the authors feel like the only way to change that now is to have the government intervene. Now, what they do say is changing the wealth gap and creating economic base for black people are two completely different things, right? We still can, there's still many steps that we can take, including real estate, to create the economic base that we need and to put us in a better position. But their feeling is the wealth gap is just too big. So here it is. In the U.S., the average black family has just one-tenth of the wealth of the average white household. Black Americans living near the poverty line have on average zero net worth. That is, their debts and other liabilities are about equal to their assets. White Americans near poverty, by contrast, have on average $18,000 of wealth, a much more considerable safety net. At the other end of the spectrum, blacks make up less than 2% of America's wealthiest 1%. The average black family in the top 1% is about $1.6 million, but white families in the top 1% are on average $12 million. In the U.S., fewer than 2% of black households are millionaires or better, compared with 15% of white households. Now, I threw a lot of numbers in there, but what you need to really understand and remember, listeners, is that it doesn't matter if you look at the low end of income, the high end of income, the low end of, of education, the high end of education, we're losing across the board. As a matter of fact, there's a chart. I don't remember exactly what it, the numbers say, but the net worth of the average black family with college degrees is lower than that of the average white family without a high school education. And... Some people may struggle with that, right, because you're thinking income to income. But the reality is we're not talking the dollars that we make. We're talking historically. Mm -hmm. We're talking the fact that these white families, even when they haven't graduated from college or high school, have net worth that was built up behind them. They've got education. They've got land and real estate. They have access. They have information. And they have the capital or had the capital the assets, yeah. to create legacy that then elevates the family in general. So, again— the average black family with college education has a lower net worth on average than the white family without even a high school diploma. That's heartbreaking information. And it goes back to the FHA ruling in the 30s and the 40s because that is, what, 70 years that white people who— because it was, you know, a program ostensibly for Americans— to have guaranteed loans. The FHA right. is going to guarantee these loans because we had, again, come out of the Depression, but it didn't guarantee them for black families. So that's a 30-year head start right. of 
owning property, generating wealth, transferring wealth from one generation to the next that we didn't have. Right. And that's a 30 year head start for the white families who already didn't have a head start coming out of slavery and everything else. Right. So we had all of these things. So then we get to the 60s and the 70s. And, you know, we want to change things with civil rights and we want to have better access. We're going to have greater access to higher education. So everybody gets a degree. And now everybody, you know, we buy houses and we help our families. And then the bottom falls out, you know, when we have recessions in in the 80s and then we, you know, rebound from that, move into the 90s and the tech boom. Well, we all got all of these um, liberal arts degrees. Right. Yeah. So now we got to reframe, refocus, get back into. And we still have our debt from our and loans. We still, and we still have our student loan debt. Or and then the price of education has risen so tremendously. Yeah. You know, it just costs. I think I I started out, I finished at Georgia State, but I started out at Emory. I think a year at Emory now is like $50,000. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. What are you, for a freshman? Freshman right. English, I'm paying you fit, really? Right. But, you know, you want to send your kid there so you get student loans. So they're going to have the Emory education. Right. And $150,000 worth of debt. Yeah. And like, at the age of 23. Like my real life example there is. I, I mean, I'm still paying off my student loans now, right? But when I, I think to white associates and white friends, and this, of course, is not all of them, but I have yet to have a black friend tell me this. And I've had several white friends come and say, my graduation gift to me was my grandfather paid off my loans. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's been my grandfather paid off my loans and my boyfriend's loans or my husband's loans, mm-hmm. right? That is generational wealth that allows you. Paid off my loans and gave me the down payment for, for this townhouse. House. Exactly. exactly. And really? by the way, That's we already got five houses in I the hear family. a lot of that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So we, we got those stats out there. Let's, let's just go ahead and jump into this part of the interview. So there you go. When, when we talked earlier, <laughs> yes. and we're going we're gonna to move through our, our normal format like we do. But when we talked earlier, you and I had a, a good conversation about mm-hmm the history when it comes mm-hmm. to African-Americans and real estate. What, what got you interested in that? So it was amazing to me, even, you know, have, having grown up in America and understanding where we have come from and the civil rights movement. But it was amazing to me that there were actually laws on the books in the 40s and the 50s that you couldn't lend money to black people right. to buy a house. Right. You couldn't lend money to white people if they were going to build a house next to some black people. <laughs> because so we didn't have so we had the 14th Amendment, right, which says segregation is illegal. Right. So we didn't have de jure by law segregation, but we had de facto segregation because you and I, let's say, um, are you and I are going to exchange money for property. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to live, though. So according to um, the 14th Amendment, that's not a problem because this is a private transaction between you and I. So I'm not breaking a federal law, right? Even though the effect is the same. And so that went on for, from, I want to say 1934 to 58, where the FHA actively discriminated against black people, actively made sure that loans were not underwritten where black people would live. In conjunction with that, you have um, situations where black people are moved into places where there is, um, you know, there are environmental problems or near railroad tracks. So you're breathing in, you know, smoke and all those things. So we have health conditions as a result of literally where we were forced to live. Some of the other 
practices, I guess, that went on, redlining and blockbusting, those kinds of things. Redlining came back into play probably in the first crash, what was that, 2005, 6, 7, when banks were not loaning or were making loans to African-American people, substandard loans, charging them higher interest rates just because they lived in these particular areas. The origins of redlining were from the federal government to help banks so that they wouldn't overextend themselves because we were just coming out of stock market crash. So the government didn't want banks to overextend and fail again. Right. And so they said, okay, take a look at this map. In this area, doesn't look like it's going to be really helpful for you to invest right here. It was supposed to be, again, so that they wouldn't overextend, banks wouldn't fail. What we turned that into was, this is where the black people live. Right. So we're not going to loan to them. And we still, we're still dealing with a lot of that And today. we still deal yeah, with you, that. You still see it out there. Yeah. You can drive down the street, especially here in Atlanta. Oh, absolutely. So you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but mm-hmm. I want to ask the question to get a direct answer on this. What's black about real estate when it comes to us? 40 acres and a mule. I'm glad you brought that up. From the <laughs> beginning, we understood the value of having your own piece of earth. Right. Real, people say real estate is about location, location, location. That's true. One thing that you cannot make more of, Land. the earth. That's right. Get your piece and hold on to it. There's so many things that you can do as a property owner that you cannot do when you don't own a property, when somebody else can tell you what to do with that property, what not to do with that property. And people say to me, I was like, well, you know, buying a house is risky and you don't own it. The bank owns it. And, you know, technically, okay, save your rationalization. Right. Me and my house (laughs) belong to me. I do pay Bank of America. We have a good relationship, but listen, that's my house. As As is the equity. As is the equity. If something, you know, were to happen to me and I needed to liquefy, I can sell that house. I cannot mm-hmm. sell my two-bedroom apartment. Right. True. With all my cool furniture, I can't sell that. But I can sell this house. All your depreciating assets. Right. That's right. So for me, to, to the point, what's black about it, the 40 acres of the mule, just the value of knowing that this is something that we need to have. And also because now in 2018, we have property is colorblind. You might have some issues getting into certain places, get you a good realtor, number one. (laughs) But property is colorblind. So if you have what what the seller is asking for, you can buy this particular piece of property. Then you can leverage that ownership into owning other pieces of property. Partner with other people or or businesses, commercial property, lease it to somebody else so that they're paying you rent. When I started my first business... um, I went to, I've been doing business with Bank of America for years. I went there and I was trying to inquire about small business loans. They wouldn't even talk to me. Literally, I I had Mm -hmm. two cars with them at the time, cars along my lifetime. I had probably bought three or four houses at this point, all through Bank of America. I was loyal. They wouldn't even talk to me. I ended up going to a small local regional bank. And and they gave me love. Like they, 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 not only did I get a small business loan, I got a line of credit, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. worked even better. And they worked with me so hard to make it happen. I didn't have to use my house. I used part of what I had on my car. They used inventory in the business. But, you know, it just goes a long way to say, had I walked in there with 12 acres, 50 acres, 100 mm-hmm. acres, oh, it had been a very different conversation from jump from day one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. So you mentioned earlier redlining. Mm-hmm. And 
I'd like to I like to believe that most of us have a decent idea of what redlining is because it's it's a very we we talk about it right. You hear it a lot, yeah. But I'm willing to bet most of us still don't. Yeah. So take a second and just talk through what redlining was and is. Okay. So redlining was originally intended to again help banks not overshoot you know who they were loaning money to and it was supposed to be a geographical thing to say this area is a better bet for your back in these loans than this other area what that turned into is well oh we can keep people if we don't loan them money then they can't buy and it was literally a red line on a map somebody drew with a pencil right now i think we have much less of that we had it during the crash of 2005 because i don't know if you spent a lot of time in the west end but all of those old historic homes in the West End, the the value was increasing. It just was kind of crazy because right. I lived there. Like I lived on Westwood Drive for a long time. The value of those houses was increasing because banks like Washington Mutual, which is no longer with us, but they were writing <laughs> loans. And then, you know, you could refinance that loan, get a second loan, second mortgage. So the value of these houses was increasing because if your house on paper is worth $250,000 and then next I live next door to you, my house is now worth two hundred and sixty. dollars because I'm just getting these loans because the bank is writing money because right. we're not really qualifying people because we're having this great boom, economic boom. But then when that market turned the corner. Right. And Washington Mutual said, hey, remember I loaned you that two sixty? I'm going to need to get that back. And now you say, okay, well, I'm, I got to sell my house because I don't have it. And your house is now worth one eighty. Right. So you're upside down, you owe money. Yeah. It was never worth two sixty. Right. Mm-hmm. So but they gave you the money because, you know, they make money selling their loans to, you know, bigger institutional lenders. So that part of redlining was giving people substandard loan products. So whereas Miranda, who's our pretend white lady, Miranda's hey, Miranda. <laughs> Miranda's, you know, interest rate is four point five percent. And her credit score is 640. And, you know, she's worked at her job for five years. Maxine worked at her job. Absolutely. Maxine has been on her job for 10 years, has a 700 credit score. But her interest rate is 6.75. Well, how is that possible? What's the difference between Miranda and Maxine? Let me think about it. Right. And so that happened, you know, quite frequently. So we don't have as much of the geographical redlining because I think we have kind of segued into gentrification right because now those properties that people weren't able to sell um at the reduced prices you know when people were underwater fell into disrepair grandma couldn't pay the taxes so she moved from the west end to Fayetteville with her grandbaby but what are we going to do with this house so we get people who have capital because my grandpa's you know graduation gift to me is twenty thousand dollars mm-hmm I think it's fun at 25 to live in a house with no electricity for two months, but it's paid for because I got it at the tax sale for $15,000. So I got five grand after my 20. We're going to get this all fixed up. We're going to have raves in the house that goes on, but you own the house. (laughs) You own the house. So your twenties, you having raves at the house. Then you get married. Then you got to settle down. So you're going to fix this house up. HGTV it. We got a little equity now. Right. This house that we bought for 20, thanks, Grandpa, is now worth 150. I want my girlfriend to move over here. Caitlin, buy this house. 
Caitlyn's grandpa does the same thing. Big Mama says, oh, of course I'll sell it to you for $50,000 because Big Mama has never seen $50,000 at one time. Right. So she's getting a great deal. Caitlyn's living by Miranda, right? Caitlyn's living by Miranda. And now you see little cute dogs and strollers all over the West End. Big Mama's gone. And so we have moved from, again, redlining to gentrification. We still are not winning right. in this equation at all. Right. When I think about gentrification, I think about the fact that it can happen. And, and by all means, jump in if, if I say mm-hmm. something off. But it feels like to me it, ha- it can happen in a couple of ways. One, like directly where people come in and say, hey, your rent is going from 1500 to 3000 Mm-hmm. Your options are pay me or get the hell out. Mm-hmm. So you get out. Then they bring someone else in, whether they pay that amount or not. Or as they begin to push black families out and let white families come in, if you're one of the ones who can afford to pay that 3000 but now you look up and all of your friends are gone, your support system's mm-hmm. gone, the neighborhood's changing, there's shops that you don't shop at or can't afford or don't want to afford. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you're coming home, but home is no longer home. Yeah, and you're getting noise complaints because we're having a barbecue. Right. Well, this is what we do on Saturdays, you know, after graduate. This is who we are. Well, your car is parked in front of my driveway. Well, that's my cousin's car. He's been coming over here. Who are you? Right. But so we had to your point, And this happens not only, you know, here, of course, in Atlanta, but I know in um, New York where they have rent control. So you get, you know, your rent control apartments been 425 since 1973. Right. And rent control apartments do not go up in price as long Correct. as you as the tenant are there. stay Live there. In. Yes. And who you bring in and out is also monitored and controlled, right? Yeah. And my understanding is that there is a way to kind of transfer those. Like if I'm 89 years old and I live on the fifth floor of a walk-up, obviously that's not good for my health. So I can say to my granddaughter, you come live in this house. Uh She's paying $425. Technically, it's still my lease, but my my granddaughter lives there. But then you have people, okay, one, I'm going to tell on you, Grandma, and now the rent is going to go up to $1,600. And so, or, as you were saying, the rent, everybody's rent is going to go from $1,500 to $3,000. Do what you can or leave. And I think that's what's going on now at the Darlington Mm -hmm. uh, here in Atlanta, where ostensibly we're making all these repairs. Right. But Post repair, who can afford to live there? Yeah. That's a prime piece of real estate on Peachtree Street. Right. When you think about capitalism and you mm-hmm. think about kind of um, supply and demand and being able to set market prices and things mm-hmm. like that, um, do you think that's an unfair practice or do you think it's disproportionately applied to African American communities versus I think other it, communities? I think it impacts us negatively disproportionately. So I don't know that it's applied. I think it's just kind of a result of where we are, which is another reason that it's super important for us to have our own. Because mm-hmm. I understand that six twenty five is the most you can pay for rent in this property. I might only be paying $300 a month on the mortgage, but you're paying me six twenty five. Whereas another landlord says, well, this is the old Fort Ford. Everybody's paying $1,500. I don't need the $1,500 because the mortgage is $300. Right. Right. So, but would you be, would you expect for me to charge you six twenty five for the rent or Miranda to charge you six twenty five for the rent? It's probably going to be me. I don't know Miranda like that, but I'm saying. All right. 
I want to I want to take a step forward. Sure. We've talked about redlining, mm-hmm. but um, what are some other practices that really turned into government-sanctioned racism? So blockbusting was another one, which is kind of the reverse of redlining. So blockbusting, I'm a realtor, and there's a neighborhood with 10 houses, little white picket fences, Miranda and Chad playing in the front yard. And I come to you and I say, hey, I heard. The niggas that, is um, coming. <laughs> you know, with this new stockyard, there's going to be more different kinds of people. And you might want to sell now while you can get a good price for your house. The first person might ignore you. Mm-hmm. The second person, well, that's interesting. The third person, now we got to have a meeting. Have y'all heard about this? What should we do? And the first time they see a black face drive and down then, the street. Exactly. And then everybody's going to sell the house, sell their houses. And now people can buy those houses for cheap. They own them, don't have to let black people live in them. And so I tell people all the time, real estate is the only business where insider trading is legal. I know that's a, what that's a that's a good point. Yeah. Look at me being a realtor. Yeah. Is, I, I've never I thought know, about it that way. Before. I know before most of y'all when what's on sale, who's selling it, how much it's selling for. I don't have to tell you. So if you say to me, I want to live in the West End, my budget is three hundred thousand dollars. I I can show you seven houses, but it might be number eight that I really like that I'm going to tell you about, but I'm not going to tell him about. Or I buy it for myself. Because, again, insider trading is completely legal in real estate. It's a competitive advantage, definitely. Um, But to your point about whether it is whether capitalism in this instance is unfair, I think that um, it's a system that we live under. And so we have to approach it from from a systemic point of view in that we need to work within the system to do what we can for ourselves because we know that it's unfair like it's inherently unfair i i like nice things i buy more shoes than the average person Mm. um but and i don't necessarily want to stop doing that but i do understand that there are times when i'm gonna have to you know rein in that impulse and do things for my community that are important support the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, support my sororities, you know, scholarship program, because that's going to benefit all of us, not just me. Right. So we have to kind of operate within the parameters where we find ourselves. We live in a okay. capitalist society. So one one thing, and I, I want you to lay more on top of this that I want, mm-hmm. want us to talk about is I want people to really understand because what I, what I think could happen is I think there could be someone listening to this podcast mm-hmm. now and they're hearing about these historical things, redlining, blockbusting, mm-hmm. and they may not understand how it relates to them today. So the way I see it in my mind is mm-hmm. that whether you're talking about redlining or blockbusting, you look at a, at a point where there are white families who were in this neighborhood mm-hmm. as people of color begin to move in. Um, whether because of blockbusting or redrawing of the lines or redlining, Mm -hmm. the white families begin to move out. So you've got these black families who've now purchased these homes and they're sitting in an area where now insurance isn't being approved. Mm -hmm. You're sitting in those areas where because they're black people now, businesses start to move out. Mm -hmm. So you're in a position where now the jobs aren't there and the moment the jobs aren't there, 
crime begins to go mm-hmm. up, right? The moment crime begins to go up, police begin to come in, and that mm-hmm. creates that stress and that and dynamic. property values are coming down. Right. At the same time, property values are coming mm-hmm. down, so that also means taxes are coming down. So mm-hmm. it also means funding for the school Schools, system yep. is coming down. So now mm-hmm. you've got crime up, jobs gone, no insurance, You've got bad schools Mm -hmm. teaching kids who need education more than anyone but aren't getting it. So you're creating this cycle of horrible neighbors. It's like this is like modern day ghetto creation. This this is what we do. And you can drive through any city. You can drive through Atlanta. You can drive through Chicago. You can Mm -hmm. drive through New York. And you can see these areas that were created by this process and cycle. Oh, absolutely. And then then to add, add salt to this, what happens is... You also have white people who come in behind this and offer via displacement, mm-hmm. either the rent's going up, get out, or we're moving all your friends out, so you might want to leave anyway. Yeah. And then they gentrify. So now they bring back restaurants. They bring back businesses. Mm-hmm. They increase the property value that they bought, that they got for next to nothing. Yep. And black and Hispanic people are now displaced with no place to go or someplace worse to go. Yeah. Did I did I get that about right? That was great. That was yeah. a great summation. And so we have so in Atlanta in particular, like Southwest Atlanta, College Park, East Point, which is where I kind of grew up and went right. to high school. And though in the olden days, I'm older than both of you, I'm pretty sure. But you know, you had um Eastern Airlines and airlines are like everybody had a job that parents had a job that didn't require a college education, but that would support them having a mortgage, having a car note, sending their kids to school. Right. So all those jobs left because, you know, we send things to China. We don't have the Ford Motor Company in Hapeville anymore. So those people now got pushed out to Clayton County, to uh, Henry County. So. They're poor, but they have a car because they got to drive into Atlanta to work in the service industry. We decided that having a service-based economy was a good thing to do. That was crazy. But you work in these service industry jobs, seven, eight, nine dollars an hour, drive back to Clayton County. That money doesn't stay in the city of Atlanta because right. corporations get tax breaks to come here. Right. right? So that's not helping the city at all. So then they don't have money to help the neighborhoods that displace all of these people. And so you're right. It is quite the cycle. I think in order to to get started with breaking that cycle, it's going to be very important that we have tangible things, skills. I, I'm, I have a degree in psychology. I'm, I'm a fan of science. Mm-hmm. Everybody doesn't need to be a STEM major. Right. Somebody got to cut hair. Right. Somebody has to be a plumber. Right. Somebody There's has to be an electrician. There's nothing wrong with <laughs> right. vocations. Right. Because all of those services are necessary, but it also, it, you are serving your community. You have capital to then invest in other things. So originally, I'm a plumber out of my van, but now I've been a plumber for five years and I've hired two other people and I have a plumbing storefront. I don't know what you would sell, but still. Now you have a piece of property for Plumbers R Us. You have two employees. They can then support their families. And so that's how we can begin to build our community. It's not a it's not a fast process. And I think that sometimes we get a little bit frustrated because we've been here all this time. Right. We've done all this work. Right. And now you want me to wait for 10 years to have enough capital to do something that Miranda and Chad can do. With a phone call. Right, right now. Right, nope. because granddad is yeah, sitting over here writing capital. checks. Right. Well, Pop-Pop is not writing checks. 
So <laughs> we right. we got to do what we got to do, you know, until we can get to the point where we are pop up and we can write the check. Right. Yeah. But in the interim, there's work that we have to do collectively. I think that's sometimes a challenge for us as well that we tend to be. And this, is, I think, is an American problem that we have kind of taken on as our own. We want to do things as individuals and be individually recognized for what we have done as opposed to working Where's collectively. The Where's the village? Right. Where is it? Working collectively so that we all benefit. We don't need a king or a queen for that matter. So, so you start, you, you talked, you've introduced wealth again and mm. catching up and working as a team. So I want, I want to jump to another question that, sure. I, that I think will kind of help to kind of pull that together. So as we start talking about catching up and, mm -hmm. And maybe closing that financial gap, but without question, putting a financial base underneath us. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of us need that. Uh, from the real estate angle, talk to us about what people like truly need to understand and stop misunderstanding about real estate from the standpoint of whether you're a buyer, consumer, career in real estate, mm -hmm. investing in real estate, just wealth building. Okay. So to begin at the beginning, let's say you want to buy a house. Mm -hmm. I think common... Uh, knowledge is that you need 20% down to buy a house. So if you're buying a $200,000 house, that means you need $40,000 just laying around to buy this house. Not a lot of us have, have $40,000 just in the bank waiting to be right. But you don't need that. If you're getting an FHA back loan, 3.5%, I recommend to my buyers that you have 5% available because you're going to need to pay utilities and stuff like that. Right. So 5% of $200,000 is a lot less right. than 20. True. Keep that in mind, mm -hmm. first of all. So think about 5% versus 20%. Right. Buy less house than you think you need. We all. I watch HGTV seven days a week. Mm -hmm. You do not need your first house to have marble countertops and <laughs> undermount sink. And you just don't need that. Let's just get the house. Get the house first. Mm -hmm. Get a duplex. The property. Get the property, live in one half of it, rent out the other half. Now you are making money. Your mortgage is being paid by somebody else. But first things first, get the property. So from a consumer standpoint, buying a house, think about 5% versus 20%. Mm -hmm. That's helpful. Credit is going to be helpful in this process. Um, lots of times I, I get emails and I see Instagram posts about people getting financed with a credit score of, you know, 580 or 600. Well, you know, anything is possible. Right. But they're paying for that. But though. you don't want, yeah, you don't rate. want a mortgage <laughs> that you are paying, you know, that amount of interest on. So, you know, get over 620. The way that you do that, utilize 30% or less of your credit, mm -hmm. have a mix of credit, you know, credit cards, car notes, pay stuff on time. Like it's real fundamental stuff. There's no credit magic bullet, even though you'll see the little sign stuck in the in the yard everywhere. You know, I fix credit for $100. Give me $100. We're going to have a good lunch and we'll talk about it. You don't need a credit fixer because okay. all of the letters they're going to write for you, you can write yourself. Gotcha. Google is your friend. Gotcha. From an investment perspective, I talked to a girlfriend today while I was in the airport. She was... Um, She's interested in real estate investing. Friend of hers told her about a course. Twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> so is I, that needed? <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me let me let me throw this in. Yes. I think because of 
the income bracket that most of us sit in in this room, mm-hmm. right? We do. I don't have $20,000. I can just throw it anything. But mm-hmm. I, I've got some discretionary spending. Yes. Right. And I hear all the time people saying, I'm going to go jump into real estate. I'm going I'm to start flipping houses. Mm-hmm. I'm finna go buy. And, and you know, I'm going to be rich tomorrow. And if they don't say that, they feel like they're going to yeah. jump in and make some big money. Just as you're talking about investments, just throw something on so that for us. It's- People do have that feeling. People say to me, Andre, I want to invest in real estate. That's great. How much money do you have? Huh? I'm going to use somebody else's money. Who? Well, I'm going to get it, you know, hard money lending. So then, you know, they run down all the stuff to me that they heard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, again, how much money do you have? No, no, no. You don't understand. No, no, no. I understand quite well. But my point is, you, real estate investing, in theory, is very simple. Buy a house cheap, spend the the least amount of money possible to fix it up and then sell it. Right. It never goes that way. <laughs> um, you can buy a house, tear it down, build something else, which is something that I'm really interested in doing as far from a community building perspective, vacant lots, clearing those off. Because mm-hmm. you can build a house in Atlanta, $70,000. I'm sorry, $70,000. $70 per square foot. So that's not bad at all. No, that's not bad at all. So thousand square feet, let's say that's seventy thousand dollars. You can either sell it for a hundred or lease it because mm-hmm. you own it, right? You own the property, you build the house, you own it, and you know you have consistent income. So I think, and I think that that is something that we can do that would improve neighborhoods, particularly if we did it as townhouses or duplex or triplex versus you know single family homes, right? And those are easier to build because they are uniform. Mm-hmm. Single family homes, everybody got an opinion. So, but but to your point about, you know, real estate investing and people want to get into it, it's not quick. That $20,000 that she was talking about, um, she said she went to the initial presentation and the thing that struck her was the guy who was presenting, white guy, middle-aged guy, he and his wife, it was at a house that they had bought. And so he asked everybody to come to this house to kind of illustrate this is the house we bought. This is a condition that it's in. We bought it for this amount. We're going to spend this amount to fix it up, and then right. we're going to sell it. And I can teach you how to do this as well for the low, low price of twenty thousand dollars. So twenty thousand doesn't even get you into no, real estate. No, twenty thousand is it's education. Yeah, that is in fucking sane. Absolutely. And so the thing that struck her, white guy, his wife. She didn't pay. Everybody, it, no, okay. everybody in that. She called Somebody me. Somebody did. Though. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody in the audience, right? It's was what it will. Everybody in the audience standing there listening to this dude is black. And she's like, why are all these people? She said, you know, I didn't do it. And I think her sister went with her. She didn't do it. But she's like, you know, some of these people are going to give this man this money. And I'm yeah, like, he only needs one. <laughs> yeah. I, but, and I said, he don't go to the middle of the house. If three people said, you know what? For a lot. You got 20, you got 20, I got 20. That's $60,000. We can go buy a house. Let's go buy the house for forty thousand dollars. Spend ten or fifteen to fix it up. We still got five thousand dollars to pay Andre her commission. And now we're gonna sell this house, or we're gonna lease it, or whatever. But for back to my point about working collectively, those people in the audience were not thinking. It's ten of us. That's two hundred thousand dollars. They're thinking this twenty thousand dollars. I'm gonna flip into, you know, my real estate riches. And yeah. you're not. You're not. Because yeah. what this dude is teaching you is. There's no, there's no new way to buy a house. Like it's super straightforward. It's been the same for years. Gotcha. So we can definitely, what was your last one? You said careers. investing careers, right? 
I mean, I, I figure we can we can own and gain equity. Mm-hmm. We can invest and make money. Yeah. We can find a career and sustain a career. Absolutely. So real estate, I think I said early, you know, when I was first thinking about getting, I wasn't thinking about getting my license. My partner was suggesting. And mm-hmm. my first response was, well, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not interested in sales. And so I think that discourages a lot of people that, you know, I'm going to have to convince people to buy a house. Mm-hmm. Every client that comes to me wants to buy a house. That's, right. what, yeah. right. that's, that's why they come. Yeah. And, you know, we're not talking about dogs and all of a sudden I say, hey, what about this great house? No, they call me because I want to buy a house or I have a house that I need to sell. Your trick isn't selling, it's marketing. It's making yeah. sure they know they Making can call people you. know, yeah, that I'm available. So one is not as high pressure sales as you might think. There's a good deal of... Um, negotiation, there's people skills. You know, you got to listen to people, understand what they are telling you, understand what their body language is telling you that their mouth won't say to you. Um, It's time consuming. Like people are, I've gotten texts at seven in the morning and Mm -hmm. 10 at night, people asking me just random, what do you think about the sink? Girl, what are you talking about? That's the kind of cat I am. (laughs) That's me. What do you mean? I'm like, oh, okay, well, yeah, it's a great sink or whatever. But so, you know, you just have to be mindful of these are the commitments that you are making. But, you know, if you were a doctor, you're going to get called late at night or whatever. So just, it's still, it's a career. It's definitely something that you can do. Like I focus on residential real estate, but commercial real estate, whole other ball of wax, you know, because people sell buildings. Right. You might as well get in the middle of that transaction. One, my, one of my partner's deals, I think, two years ago. And um, I didn't know about this till after the fact because he's a big one on, I don't want to jinx stuff, $26 million. Wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was the commercial. Deal? Yeah, it was commercial. Yeah. What was his percentage of that? It was a couple of splits, but he ended up um, mid six figures was his commission. That's so. not bad. Mm-mm. I, for one job. Right. And that's the thing with real estate. Like my kid, um, <laughs> she's like, mom, when are we closing? Cause she likes to like see the checks because I know she does. I like to see them checks <laughs> and show me the money. <laughs> right. But it's in curtain. So she referred her teacher to me. That was so funny. Last year. She's like, mom, when do I get my commission? So you, right. got a whole, you got a whole car. <laughs> you ride your right. commission, right? You ate have it good, last night. Have a good time. <laughs> but, but I think it's important to let our kids know, you know, this is something that's possible. And for a commission, like I don't get a commission every two weeks. So right. it's not like having a regular gig. But if you do a deal a week, then, you know, you can make that happen. Right. So it's definitely something that's possible. It's not a great um, money investment up front. Again, I think. Now getting licenses out like four ninety five or something, depending on what course you take. Question um, on that. Is yeah. that mandatory? Yeah. So real estate education in Georgia, you have to be eighteen, uh, high school graduates, not have um criminal convictions, but that's a little asterisk because if you get people to vouch for you, then they can kind of overlook that. Gotcha. And then you take the pre licensing course, which I think is like seventy five hours. Gotcha. So it's t- definitely doable. Take the test. And then once you have a license, I would suggest one, when you are newly licensed, work for one of the bigger brokerages because you get great education. Okay. So I think I started with Better Homes and Gardens, but like Keller Williams is really good, Coal Bank, any of them, because they have such good infrastructure. Now I work for a very small boutique agency, but I know what I'm doing. 
Okay. So I've been doing it for so a while. So you, you don't need the right, resources I don't need as support. Much you got it. Hand holding. Gotcha. As I did. Okay. But that would be it. That's my suggestion. Okay. Getting it started. So what do you now on the on the other side, right? Mm-hmm. For the people who are listening, who are who have become who, who've hit the point where like, okay, I can do this. I mm-hmm. should do this. What do they need to look for in a realtor? Great question. Look for in a realtor somebody you are comfortable talking to about things that are very personal. I tell people all the time, you find the money and I'm going to take you shopping. That's a very simplistic way of handling this. Because before you call me, please have talked to a mortgage broker or have in your head that you are willing to talk to a mortgage broker. Because right. I, I refer people to people that I work with because, you know, I know them. They know me. We work well together. But we're going to have to talk about money. Yeah. And everybody is not comfortable talking about money. People in my family. Right. Because they don't want me to know. That's cool. I understand that. Be comfortable talking to people about money. Be honest. Be willing to accept honest feedback. Um, I'm not a person that's going to tell you, you, you have the uh, pre-qualification letter that says you can buy a house for $330,000, up to $330,000. We're not looking at houses that cost three forty. We're not looking at houses that cost three I'm not going to do that to you. Right. Because you're going to be frustrated. And then all over Facebook, I can't believe she sold me this house. This is ridiculous. Right. I don't need that in my life. So sometimes honesty is not what people want. I had a client last month who's no longer my client because she felt like I wasn't on her side enough. <laughs> she felt that way because I wouldn't tell her yes to questions for which the answer was no. Hmm. So she wanted to buy a property. It's an as-is property. That means the seller's not fixing it. We ain't doing nothing. So (laughs) I said when I wrote the contract, this is as-is. The seller said it's as-is. We are submitting this contract for a property as-is. No, I understand it's a great price. It's a great value. Okay. We submit it. He accepts it. Well, do you think they'll do something about the roof? No. Nothing. Well, there's water stains, I think, in the ceiling. Right, and you saw those water stains when we walked through the house. That's what well, as Are you going to even ask him? Well, I could, but why? <laughs> <laughs> as is means this That's is, it. yeah. And there so is we no went, negotiation. We went back and forth for two weeks, and she felt like I wasn't calling the seller every 15 minutes, can you feel? And I wasn't going to do that. Yeah, because right. they already declared they wouldn't. Yeah, because I know, you know, I know what I'm doing, and I might have to work with this other agent again. I don't want to get the reputation as the crazy agent who doesn't understand as is. <laughs> and I've worked with some crazy <laughs> agents before. So, what, what do you tell? What do you tell the person who has now decided mm-hmm. I want to I want to go forward? What 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 steps should they take? Okay, two sets of steps as a buyer. Get your money right. We got that handled. Fine. What does that mean? Get your money. Get your right? money right. Talk to a mortgage broker. I'm, I can refer you to Dan. That's the dude I use all the time, and he he's very honest, very thorough. He's going to walk through step by step with you several scenarios. If you put down this amount, this can be your interest rate. We can give you a loan where your closing costs are wrapped in, but your interest rate goes up. We have the money squared away. Now, where do you want to live? Well, you know, I kind of like Southwest Atlanta, but Fayetteville is not. What about Noonan? Uh-uh. <laughs> Bring it back. 
Where where do you want to live? <laughs> we need to get that narrowed down because especially in Atlanta, right. it makes such a difference when you have to travel for work to your kids' school. Yep. So even though you might find this beautiful house in Sandy Springs and it meets all of your needs, but your kid goes to Woodward Academy. <laughs> how that how is that go? Welcome to frustration and headaches. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Everybody's late every day. Your car got 100,000 miles at the end of the year. Nobody's happy with that. So get your money right. Let's decide where you want to live. And then make time to get what you say you want. Right. I'm going to send you a list of houses, let's say 10, to get started. You're going to say to me, well, these three I don't like at all. These two, let's go. Number three, maybe so. I say, okay. I'll call the other agent and schedule some time for us to go. Oh, I can't go on Thursday. I can't go on Friday. Well, Saturday, oh, I got to get my hair done. I can't bring the house to you. <laughs> you you have to go see the house. You have to walk. Th- so be prepared for what you say you want. Once we've done that, you decide on the house, we're going to write up a contract. The contract is legally binding. I'm not a lawyer, but the state of Georgia says I can write up this contract. It binds you, not me. Right. So please read this. Please listen to me when I'm talking to you about what's in the contract because mm-hmm. you, this is you. Like, you are holding this bag. This is you. Once we get the contract done, then we get it inspected. And we can negotiate at that point for non-as-is properties. <laughs> what, the, <laughs> what the seller may or may not fix or, you know, what kind of um, money they're going to give you towards fixing these things yourself. Then we just head on to closing. Smooth sailing. If you are selling your house, please be sure that you want to sell your house. <laughs> that sounds like there was some personal experience there. People are super attached to their homes and the stuff that's in, oh, this is where the baby took his first. I remember the dog fell down. Like, it gets to be emotional. I had a lady cry in her kitchen. I was like, oh, what shit? Okay. (laughs) Can I call somebody? I mean, what should I do? But she, because it was a husband and wife. He wanted to sell the house. She did not. And I was like, okay, I can come back. But, like, y'all probably should have had this conversation. So just be prepared. Make sure you're prepared for what you say you want to do. So you want to sell the house, that's great. Clean the house. (laughs) For real. Seriously. Clean the house. And clean like somebody that you really care about is coming to the house. Clean it for real. Don't just play. Right. Right. Don't just straighten up. Yeah, right. Don't just straighten up. up. Don't straighten up. Clean up. That's a black folk thing. Straighten up versus clean. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Don't just put all the stuff in the closet. Because when people come to see your house, believe me, they open every drawer. They open every closet. I had a lady open a dishwasher. What are you looking for (laughs) in the dishwasher? What are you doing? But so clean the house. Mm, Be prepared to move. And understand that you love your house and you think it's the greatest house and you know Every dime that you spent at Home Depot and Lowe's, getting it to look just like you. The people that are buying the house, don't, don't care. they don't care. The bank doesn't care. If the bank says your house is, because I'm going to give you a, a comparative market analysis to say today looks like, you know, based on what other houses are selling for, your house looks like it'll sell for 242 Andre, that's crazy. My house is worth $300,000 easily. Okay. In your mind. If somebody will pay you $300,000, girl, listen. We'll get that money. If I'm very pay. happy because my commission is based on the sales price. So listen. However, 
If somebody needs to finance the purchase of this home, the bank is not going to give them more than Mm $242,000. So if you get them to come up with the other 58, that's excellent. It doesn't happen generally, but it's possible. So just be prepared that your dream number is not going to be the bank's number. Right. And do you want to sell the house? If you do, you're going to take the number. That's reasonable. Obviously, if it's worth two forty, you know, I'm not going to ask you to accept one twenty. That's crazy. Right. But be reasonable. Two forty mm-hmm. versus two forty two. Let's go with that. Cool. Great. Let's go with that. Cool. Well, I think we're getting to the end of the the episode. So what I want to do is. Turn it over to you one more time. Give you a few moments to close out. Tell Thank the you. people whatever it is that's on your heart to tell them, how to help them. Just Thank you. Talk to the people real quick. It's been my pleasure to be here. It's Thank been you for being here. So much fun. Absolutely. Hopefully informative for the we listeners. We finally woke up. It took a minute. Right? It's, everybody mm-hmm. got going toward the end. Sunday night. Yes. Yeah. It took a little bit. But again, it's my pleasure. Hopefully informative for the listeners. And I really hope that people feel like real estate is, one, something that's obtainable for them as an individual, as a family, and also can see the benefit of real estate for us as a collective. Because, again, you know, we can't make any more land. So we need they owe us, basically, because I never got my 40 acres. I'm working on it. I'm like at a third right now, like, but I'm working I want on mine it. too. Exactly, and and we can have it. We just have want, to. I don't want the mule. The mule to give me a truck. I'm getting mine in Mississippi. We're gonna get an F-150. I think about that. Yes. Yeah, but you know we can work together. F-150. <laughs> yeah, we gonna get F-150. <laughs> but we can make sure with you a know, Nike sign on it. The exact big old swoosh on the back, like the Mexicans, <laughs> but. <laughs> But, you know, we can do things together to to make sure that we have a better future, that our kids have a better future and a more stable future. I think that, you know, when you are 50, 60 years old paying rent, that's not a good feeling. Right. Because your rent can go up at any time. Your mm-hmm. mortgage is not. It's fixed. Generally, you know, it's a 30-year fix or a 15-year fix. Your mortgage is not going to go up every year. Right. But if you are 60 years old living on Social Security and your rent goes up $100, that could throw a monkey wrench into a lot of things. Right. And so we just have to be mindful, you know, looking toward our future. We spend a lot of time. This is what I'm doing today. This is what I bought. This is, you know, where I've been. We have to, though, have a more forward looking stance because everything is not about us. You know, today we got to think about our future. We got to think about our kids, right. what we want them to <laughs> to deal with or not have to deal with. And we can impact that by what we do from a real estate perspective in Atlanta or Miami. If you need me, um, pretty girls and property.com. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am an AKA. Yes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I thought people would remember pretty girls and property. So yeah, check it out. Come through my, AKA. Yeah. Come on, so Craig. my phone number is there. My email, Andrea for real estate at gmail.com. Also easy. But call me or send me a message. Instagram is limited edition living. Join me there. And I'm happy to help out. You know, I am definitely, I try to be anyway, a servant because I know that I didn't get here by myself. True. And so it's my responsibility to make sure that I can do what I can, use the resources that I have to help people be better but better than me, you know, better than they are currently. So I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to be here with you guys and to share with your listeners, you know, my experience and expertise in this particular area. Cool. Well, we appreciate you yeah. being here greatly. Thank you. Very much. So. Aren't you got anything, brother? 
Nope, man, this is a great episode. I'm hoping everybody took some notes, got some 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 things to think about as it relates to building some wealth. Um, real estate is is super important. Um, we all can go and acquire our 40 acres. Mm-hmm. Um, we should all be thinking about that. True. I only got one thing, really, and it's something I see all the doggone time. Listeners, if you are driving down the road in a BMW 7 Series and you park it at an apartment parking lot or you park it at your mama's house, <laughs> please get your life together. Like it's, oh, it's not a joke when we tell you, like, this is... It's our avenue to wealth building. Whether we close the gap or not. Not a one thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. It just occurred to me when you were talking about the car in the apartment. Um, Because one thing that I I think I need to say more, try to use black people as your service providers. Absolutely. You know, we talk about buy black and buy buy back the block and acquiring things. I saw people last week. Well, don't buy Nike. You need to buy this black shoe brand. Okay, that's cool. Use black service providers. You you might not use me as a realtor, right. but find a black realtor. There are not a lot of us, I will say. There's less than 5% of 2 million realtors in the country are black. But use a black realtor. That's it? That's it. Mm-hmm. So you can think of how black. many... Good. You can think about how many black women there are. But use a black realtor. Use a black closing attorney. Use a black mortgage broker. Because those people, the money that I make goes back into the black community. Right. I get my hair done. I go to black restaurants. I contribute to black charities. And that is more likely to happen when you use a black service provider than when you do not. I don't know if Miranda and Chad donate to the NAACP. They might. You can rest assured that I do. Right. So Amen. use black Amen. service providers. Use black realtors like me. Cool. Love it. Love it. Love it. People, if you're driving in that expensive car and you're renting an apartment, mm-hmm. change your life up. Stop renting and start buying. Priorities. That's all I got. Peace. Love. Thank you.